Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to (laughs) pretend that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for based on cox analysis of ookla speed test intelligence data q3 2022 and cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details disappointed in the way that I left because for basically for two years, as soon as Roy walked in the building after a week, he was like, you're not going to play no more. I've still tried to put my finger on it to this day. I can't. That's one of the things that bugs me. You know, I can't really put a finger to as to why. You know, and I can't go back on it, but it's, it's one of them things that always daunts you. But what can you do? I found out I was leaving when Danny said to me, oh, they want to say a farewell. So like all these, regardless, this is where I say to you, football's a bit cutthroat. Regardless of what you've done at a football club, it all gets washed up, washed away and forgotten about in a split second. Brilliant. You always knew when you come in the building that he was going to go on to, to be going better. You knew that straight away. Just tactically, you knew so many different things. I'll tell you what, though, you need two hearts for him and two sets of lungs. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I would never want him to leave Paris, you know, from a fan point of view and the legacy you could build there. But from a personal point of view, it's going to come a point as a footballer, you're going to look at it and think, I want to play European football. Yeah, so we just want to kick things off like here and now. Obviously, you're playing in Cyprus. Um, so, yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, it's good, you know. It's, it took a, a little time to, I'd probably say, adapt it. It's completely different. Off the field, it's been brilliant, but in terms of the football club structure and stuff like that, what you're used to is completely different. You know, it's not got the same infrastructure, obviously, as England, but I knew that coming, you know, so it's sort of been a tale of two seasons last season. For me, the first part was very bad. The second part, I was injured, and then we had coronavirus. And then this season, it's been really good with the football. Um, You know, the football club's still pushing to try and get into those Europe places, you know. We've got the chance to do it now, so we need to keep pushing. Yeah, so why Cyprus? Like, when you left Crystal Palace, 
there's clubs in Europe, there's Turkey, there's the United Arab Emirates that a lot of players go to. So why Cyprus in particularly? If you want me to be honest, I looked at a lot of things for my family. You know, football is... I don't want to say no. It's just sometimes it's a selfish sport in terms of you always trying to do what you feel is right for yourself because obviously it's you playing football, which is correct. I got a stage to my career where I was thinking about my family somewhere they could enjoy what they could do. And if I'm honest with you, I didn't want to be one of these players that sat there and waiting for, oh, I'll get this, I'll get that. I could have sat there waiting. I waited to make my decision until the end of July. After a month, people have been back at football. So I was like, this came up when we literally came here for two days. The family was happy and that was the most important thing. And we haven't really looked back, to be honest with you. And the, the other main selling point for it as well, which is massive in Cyprus, people don't realise. If you finish in the top four, you can play European games and I've never played that. So that's always a chance as well. So we'll see. Good, good to hear. And, and also, just staying on the topic of, of your family, uh, Punch, how, how have they settled in? Uh, has it taken uh, a little while for them to get sort of acclimatised and used to the, the way of life out there or, or do they take to it quite easily? To be honest with you, generally, I'd probably say on the pitch was a bit slow for me to settle, but I think off the pitch, they settled quicker than me. They were just just like straight into it. It's, you got to think it's like a holiday for them. Yeah. Really, every day you live in the sun, you've got a swimming pool. <laughs> yeah. the kids go to school, they finish school early, you've got loads of the day left. And for them, it's fantastic. You know, it's obviously been hard in these times with the coronavirus, but everyone's going for it. And, you know, we're in January here and it's still 22 degrees. I'm still in shorts and t shirt. Stop stunting pipes, bro. Yeah, you're jumper shirts. So I can't complain. And what, what have you done to adapt to the culture? Because obviously you lived in England, you're now in Cyprus. How difficult has it been to actually adapt to the culture over there? Well, the thing is, is there's a pros and cons with it. The pros of it is there's a lot of English people that live here. So predominantly you find areas where English people live and then obviously like where Cypriots live and stuff like that. So that's been quite easy. The downside of that is, is for me, is obviously going to a different country. You want to hear maybe a different language a bit more often. I only really hear that by some of the people that work at the football club because at our football club, we've got players from Spain, Brazil, Argentina. We've got Russian, Ukrainian. Um, we've got Swedish. We've got Finnish. We've got players from all different countries. There's not one set of players so you in our dressing room we speak English so do you think that's kind of almost like the Premier League because now you go into a club in the Premier League you see 15 different cultures so is it almost like the same environment in Cyprus as it is in the Premier League in terms of how many different languages people speak in the dressing room yeah definitely and I think it's the one thing I look at is is I've had foreign managers but then when you come to England mm. when you when you're in England everyone's English is very well-spoken. So they'll have an assistant, his English is very well-spoken, his message, just the culture, the way they go about it. I would love to look at it, how maybe in England, the French boys or the Spanish boys, how they saw it, people speaking English, how they understood the message compared to what it's like here in Cyprus. Because you've got somebody that we've got, a manager that's Ukrainian, he speaks English, but it's not that great. So his terminology is different. So they might get the message better than some other players. So I'd love to see it from a different perspective, how they did actually think about it. 100%. You know what, Punch, another question that I, I've, I've always wanted to know um, for like players that have, uh, have been born and bred in England and, and, and travelled abroad is 
what the climate does in terms of how it affects your training. Like, is it, is it more difficult to train in hotter climates versus uh, slightly colder climates like, like you're used to over here? Or th does that have any sort of impact on, on the way that you train and, and how you can train? Oh, yeah, definitely. Cyprus is like, I came here last year, August, and I think it was 40 degrees. But the thing, problem is, is in Cyprus, people don't realise it's 40 degrees, but it's the humidity. The humidity is like 85%. Mm. So literally, you could just run around for 10 minutes and you're sweating from socks all the way up. And that does obviously take some time to, time to get used to. In the summer, we train in the evenings. It's too hot to train in the daytime. So that changes. But you do acclimatise. It does take some time. You do acclimatise, but it is, it is harder than... I give Cyprus its credit. It's a harder league, um, a, well, a more competitive league than people think. No, yeah. so yeah, punch. Yeah, we want to talk about your time in England, Crystal Palace, where you cemented yourself as basically a legend. You know, spending over a decade putting in some top performances, as Budge mentioned, scoring in the FA Cup final. Now that mm. the dust is settled, how would you assess your time at Palace? Bittersweet, really. It was like. It was a a dream come true to go back to a team that I'd always basically supported as a kid, lived on the road, followed it everywhere. There was times that it was I was supposed to go back there. But I think on a whole, ultimately, I think I gave everything, as everyone could see. I gave everything I possibly could, my heart and soul to that football club. Disappointed in the way that I left, because for basically for two years, as soon as Roy walked in the building after a week, he was like, you're not going to play no more. And for somebody to make that decision without even really... OK, he'd seen me play via watching because he was the England manager. But to walk in a building and say that, there's obviously hidden agendas for me. And I said that. And for me, it's that, that's the most disappointing is the fact that I never really got a chance. If I got a chance, then I'd understand. But I'm a type of person that is, if you put a challenge to me, I'll come back fighting. And I was never really given that challenge or that chance. And, and that's why I took the chance to go to Huddersfield and didn't, at the time, really ever want to leave Palace in that way. But things happen and you move on and it's probably been a good thing that I came here. Obviously, we spoke to Jan and he, was in a, he is in a similar situation at Everton where he's been, you know, frozen out by the hierarchy. How difficult is it as a professional footballer to keep quiet when you know the club's basically said, listen, punch, you're not going to play anymore? It was a difficult situation for me because I was at that club for seven, six and a half years. And obviously it became your home. Like everybody around the building, I was close with everyone around there. And then I wouldn't say hierarchy. For a manager to come in and say that and then you're just lost and you sit there and think, and then players are asking questions of why aren't you playing or players are saying that you should be playing and all those type of things, you've got to deal with that. And it's hard to deal with, I think especially in my situation with being so close to everybody there, that was hard to deal with. With Yannick as well, I feel, I feel it from a bit because he's gone to a massive club, bundles of ability, had the injury. Whilst he had the injury, the manager that signed him left, comes back in and out, in and out, and then the football club makes a decision. The manager doesn't make a decision and that's hard to take because... The manager may see little things and think, do you know what, I could actually use him. Might not start every game because they have got a strong squad. You've got to give them that. And the manager plays in a certain way. And I think Yannick will understand that. But I think it's when the decision's taken out of your hands, I think that's the hardest thing as a footballer to deal with. Somebody says to you, for me anyway, as a person, right, do you know what, 
you've got to compete against A, B, C and D for a place in the team. But your chances there, it's down to you. Then I think that's the biggest carrot any footballer can have. But if you don't give them that option, there's nothing you can do. It's like you're being paid to do a job that you can't do. But Punch, like, how, how is it? Because as fans, we're not privy to this information where, you know, the club hierarchy has said, listen, you're not going to play anymore. But as fans, we're like, oh, Punch, he's washed up. That's why he's not playing. Or Punch yeah. is not good enough to be at this level. So how, how is that dynamic? Do you think football needs to do more about this? No, I think it's, it's always going to be one of them things. This is the, the beautiful thing of our game. It is always opinions. And that's where, with Roy, I didn't agree with his opinion, but I took it because you have to in football. And always I just said to myself, right, every day I just need to just train as hard as I can to do what I can. And I took his opinion. And I think that is the beauty of football is a manager will come in and somebody's, whatever they've done or haven't done, and keep playing somebody. And everybody in the building knows that player shouldn't be playing or this player doesn't do this, but the manager still does. And that's where football's beauty because it's a game of opinions. Like mm. you're saying about the fans, some fans will turn around and say, oh, Yannick's not good enough for Evan, he's not this, he's not that. Or Jason, he's not good enough for Palace, or he's this, or he's that. And is that why we all tune in to watch football, to have our opinion on what we believe is correct. But us as footballers sitting in the bubble, we're the ones that have to deal with it daily. Yeah, as you mentioned, there's a lot of football politics. But do you think you were almost used as a pawn? Because I know at the time you were captain and sometimes managers come in and say, you know what, this is a strong character of a dressing room. I'm going to make an example out of him. Maybe. I've still tried to put my finger on it to this day. I can't. That's one of the things that bugs me. You know, I can't really put a finger to as to why. You know, and I can't go back on it, but... It's, it's one of them things that always daunts you. But what can you do? You just got to swallow it. Sometimes managers do. Sometimes managers come in and say, right, you know what? He's a big leader. Or sometimes managers come and say, right, we need to make big changes. If I felt like that was happening at Palace, then I'd understand and think, right, you know what? The manager's come in. The club has said they need to make changes. They need to get rid of people that's been here for so long. But that wasn't the case, you know? So. And, and Punch, can you take us back to that last time that you walked out on... Um, the pitch at Sellers Park and you were obviously say, saying your farewells in terms of what you were thinking, how you were feeling. I, I obviously watched that speech and I was thinking, how on earth has this guy managed to keep his emotions in check in the way that you did and speak so clearly, knowing how much that club means to you and obviously the area, like being a, a, a Croydon boy and, and being born and bred in, in you know, that, that neck of the woods. Like, how, like, how was that for you? I'll be honest, I didn't even really want to do it because I, I'm, a proud, I'm a proud man. I wanted to leave with, with my shirt on the pitch. And me and Danny Young are very close. He's the kit man there and he's a player liaison. And it's weird because Danny kept on calling me and saying to me, oh, because obviously the situation happened at Huddersfield where the new manager came in, so things happened there. And he was like, look, we're going to play all the young players because we're relegated now. So I said, OK, fine. And he's like, oh, what are you doing in the season? I said, oh, to be fair, the last two weeks, they're saying oh, that I don't need to come in, so I'm just going to get away. So oh, no, come and do this. And I was like, Danny, to be honest, I don't really want to do it. Because it was weird. Like, OK, I know I went on loan to Huddersfield, but nobody from the football club phoned me or just out of common courtesy being there for so long and said, right, look, you're not going to get a new offer, a new contract, X, Y, Z. I found out I was leaving when Danny said to me, oh, they want to say a farewell. 
So exactly. like all these, regardless, this is where I say to you, football's a bit cutthroat. Regardless of what you've done at a football club, it all gets washed up, washed away and forgotten about in a split second. Yeah, so but Punch, I remember when you left the club, there were all of these glossy statements from yourself, from Moy Hodgson, from Steve Parrish. So all of this was basically just pavering over the cracks. Yeah, well, I don't really know. They had their opinion on certain things and behind the scenes, but I never knew them myself. And I'm, anyone at that football club knows I'm a stand-up person. I like to be told A and B. And if you say to me A and B, then fine. I've got no problem with that. But do you know what? Oh, me, the best thing that came out for me was sitting in front of players that I played with. The chairman, Steve Parrish, was brilliant. Like, I'm not going to say anything bad about Roy. Roy, although he made his decision, he was still brilliant with me. He never really outcasted me or anything like that. He was still good with me. He had an opinion based on football, which is his opinion. And that was fine. And the most thing that was important, like I said, that final day, saying goodbye to everybody, the fans, you know, the players. And that was the most important thing for me to leave. In I left it in that way, the best way possible out of it. Mm. I would have loved to have left that football pitch and saying, right, this is my last game. I played in my shirt. I've gave something and I'm leaving. And that would have been the best case for me. But that didn't happen that way. And it still still gets me now, but you get on with it. Yeah, so that punch you mentioned, obviously you went on loan to Huddersfield. Um, I remember at the time there was a lot of stuff coming out about you and Jan Stewart, that there was a fallout, that there was a bust up. I think it was against Newcastle away, I believe, or something like that. What actually happened? This is the weird thing again, and I'm not just saying it because we're talking on an interview. Even if we was talking on the phone, I'd tell you is I don't actually know what happened. That is, and I'm not bantering you. I'm not actually saying that I don't actually know what happened. <laughs> that is the joke. When I went back into the office to ask him what's happened, he said to me, "I want to bring you back in the group." And I said, "For what though? What did I do?" And he couldn't say to me, so I was like, "This just don't make sense." So what have you made up your opinion about? So because. Okay, you took me off at half time. I was fuming. I left the, the I didn't leave the stadium. I left the dressing room and got on the bus. If it could have been that, you could have said to me, but I didn't know what it was. And it was just mentally, it was a difficult time for me after that because you got to think. I know in the back of my head, my contract's running out of Palace. I know I've took this chance to play football to go and prove myself because that's me as a person. And it started off on well, not on fire, but it's, as soon as I played the first game for Huddersfield against Cardiff. I felt back to my old self, played really well, I hadn't played consistently for so long. Then the next day, David Wagner gets sacked and a new guy comes in. This new guy comes in, he's never managed the first team before. Mm. You're in the Premier League, it's the best league in the world. You're seeing so many different characters that you don't know how to deal with. In the first month, he probably had, and I'm not lying to you, he had an argument with 24 players. Wow. Or wow. some sort of more than a debate with players. You just in the football, you just can't do that. So, but so, so punch. Do you feel like you've always had to prove yourself as a footballer in terms of like managers and you know clubs trying to say, listen, you're not playing. Do you always feel like you've had to work extra hard to prove yourself? Yeah, I just feel that always. You've, I think, even in football, even if you are in a comfortable position, you I feel you still should always be trying to go on that pitch to show yourself. Mm. And that's your platform. That's the platform that you was given. That's the platform that you've earned. 
stay earning it and keep trying to produce the best you can for as long as you can. And that's, that's why I feel that in football, people always doubt you. Sometimes people within your own club will doubt you, but you still prove them wrong. But it's all, it's, it is down to you. And like I said, I go back to that point. If, you, if you're given a platform, then you can perform on that platform. If you're not given it, then what can you do? 100%, man. 100%. You know what, Punch? I wanted to ask. I know, like, throughout your career, you scored some very, very important goals, right? <clears throat> and there's one in particular that, that comes to mind for me, obviously, when you were cutting off the, the, the right uh, channel, um, tucked in uh, and, 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 and buried at bottom, bottom left against Norwich. In terms yeah. of important goals in your career, would you say that that is the most important goal that you scored? Or would you rank... Um, another goal higher and, and if so why well when I analyse it that probably is the most important goal of my career because it's two things on a personal and a, and a, a team that as my teammates my players and friends that was in the dressing room at the time we was having uh, we started off on fire we finished we was in fifth and then Yannick got injured Christmas and then we just went down and then we started getting injuries, started getting injuries. And I think it was 18 Premier League games or something we didn't win for. Then I got injured. I think I missed six games. And I came back from injury. And I hadn't, I'd, the first part of the season, I played well, but I, hadn't, I wasn't scoring or, or making assists like I used to. My role had kind of changed in the team, but it was a bit, it wasn't, I wasn't having, I was having an okay season up until the point I got injured. And then um, I come back and I was just like, it was like a fresher breath air. You know, like when you feel like you needed that rest, although you'd been injured. And then to obviously score that goal in that game, and we was on an FA Cup run as well. So I think we, at that point, we, I think we might have been in the, I think, yeah, we was in the semis at that Norwich game. We was in the semis already. And it was a massive game because Norwich was, I think, at the time, they might have been three points behind us or four points, something like that, in going to that game. And when I say to you, it's probably one of the, it was te- that was tenser than the FA Cup final for me that game. Oh, in the stadium wow every single player on both teams was tense both sets of fans both managers it was crazy it was weird playing in those relegation scraps how is it mentally because obviously you went to Huddersfield and you know from the outside looking in it seems like you know negativity was rife in the camp the mentality was down so how do you sort of navigate those relegation battles it was difficult because that's why David brought me in for a bit of experience and stuff like that but I quickly realised after a week of even being under there David and then a week of him going that the place was beaten it was Mm. already resigned that it was going to get relegated there was a few things going on behind the scenes that entailed that as well and I just thought to myself these players don't really know like some of these players will never play Premier League football again they don't really grasp the concept of how big the Premier League is and how big it is to stay in it. And you might be a player that's only played eight times in that season, but you give something in those eight games. Like I've always said, one Premier League game is worth 10 championship games. If you can play one or 10 games in the Premier League, that's worth a full season in the championship. That's how big the Premier League is and people need to realise that. And that's why I feel that the football club in general Huddersfield they didn't realise that but I can't change nothing it's football and you know I met some good people there you know it's a lovely place they've got lovely people that work for the, the, the football club around it 
And you know what? There were some good characters in there. Honestly, I think Dean Hoyle, the owner, was you know someone that was held in high regard. I know a lot of people at the time were saying he had the best interests of the club, you know, at heart. So yeah, to be honest, I never really met Dean Hoyle. To be fair, I dealt with all the other people that worked mm-hmm. in and around the football club, and they was brilliant. The people that worked behind the scenes that had been there for years, seen the football club go, they was brilliant. The, the, the kitchen staff and all stuff like that, fantastic place, lovely people. Mm-hmm. So obviously you're a seasoned pro punch and you've been in the game a very, very long time. So what kind of things behind the scenes happen to indicate that a camp is fractured and there's no, you know, there's going to be no sort of fighting spirit? Because with Huddersfield, the way they went down, they went down with a bit of a whimper. There was no fighting spirit. So what kind of things happen behind the scenes? Well, I don't know, because you look at Huddersfield, what they've done the season before, and you look at them. I remember we played them, Huddersfield, in the first season under Frank De Boer, and Huddersfield come up, they beat us 3-0 at home. Mm-hmm. And you saw fighting spirit, even for the rest of that season. You saw that maybe like, they don't have the, enough of the, the, the most ability in the Premier League, but they've got bundles of fighting spirit, togetherness. It looked like all the players that was coming on wanted to, to do something. And then you just go to a place and you just see there's so many little things around the training ground, in training, around the gym, timekeeping, just some little things that they add up when you get to the football pitch and they're the difference of the Premier League, those little one percenters of staying in it to going down. Do you know what, Punchy? I wanted to, I wanted to ask you a, a question and I wanted to throw it all the way back. So obviously we've been talking about your, your career recently and whatnot, but I wanted to go back to the the, the, the old school days, the, the square, grey estate, Troy Road, yeah? And obviously you you would, in, in, in those times, uh, play football regularly after after school and, and, and on Saturdays and whatnot. Back then, were there players that you played with that you think, you know what, if given the opportunity or if, you know, fortunes worked out, better for them that they could have absolutely gone ahead and, and, and made it professionally in a game there's bundles of kids I've played with bundles of kids that I've played with from the age of eight probably to the age of even now that could have been players and you just look at it and just think like you scratch your head sometimes and realise the amount of work that I've put into to get where I got to but then you look at those players and think where could they have been some of the players had injuries. Some of the players mentally didn't make it. And it's it's just... It's difficult to pinpoint, but then that's why I think what's so important nowadays is what the football clubs are trying to produce and what they need to realise is the professional clubs is as much as they're trying to create professional players, they're also trying to create human beings. And softening the blow for me when a player's getting released or how they've grown that player I think that's the most important thing for players to bounce back because I think I would love to know the statistics of players getting released to players then going to another team like Eze's a prime example I don't know the boy but look at him oh you're not this you're not that you're not this you're not that and then look at him now and he hasn't let those setbacks push him back he's let those setbacks say okay all right, I'm going to kick on now Mm, oh you're right (laughs) Yeah, so what I was going to say is that um, your career, you seem to be having sort of like an Indian summer. The older you get, the more mature you had and the consistency you found in your performances. When was that moment that the penny sort of dropped that you thought, you know what, okay, I'm a man now. I can be delivering consistent performances. I think it's just 
Like I was saying to somebody the other day, talking to a player here actually, um, Rashawn Murphy's got bundles of ability, the boy. Bundles just needs to learn little things here and there. But I look at things as learning curves through all my career. And every place I went to, I learned. Like when I walked into Southampton, I was a brilliant footballer with the ball 1v1. But I didn't understand about keeping the ball. And I didn't understand about keeping the ball, but playing in a certain way. And I learned so much from those players there. And you don't realise at the time. And as you, as I, after a while, when I then I realised, you know, I'm learning a lot. And I picked up so many things from players there. Massive football club. Then I went to Blackpool. And then you realise when you get there, you think, oh, you're in the Premier League. So you play against these players in the Premier League. You see them for what they are. Then you see the players in Blackpool. And I remember Lalana messaged me once. I was like, oh, what's it like? And I was like, mate, to be honest with you, I'm not going to say it's easy, but with your Billy, you'll realise that you'll step up to it, no problem. And another player struggle with it. So I just look at all those things as learning curve. And then like, when I went to Palace, probably TP coming in, you're learning about winning games gritty. Not necessarily controlling games, dominant games, about winning games gritty, being nasty, horrible, taking fouls, making fouls. There's so many different things. That, that, that's why I say I learned and they just helped and keep growing and growing and growing as a person, as a footballer. Wait, so Punch, would you say you didn't know that side of the game because of your upbringing, being a street footballer, playing in the cages, trying to dubs up man, trying to rip man, you get me? Send him back to bed. <laughs> that's how you saw football onto a very... Well, no, to be honest, when we grew up in football, like at Wimbledon when I grew up in the youth team, the manager just used to say, like, play wide, get the ball and run at them. <laughs> or when you get the ball, play a one-two with the number nine, go and get the ball and run again. We used to do possession games and stuff like that, but then emphasis wasn't like keep the ball and make the other team run. That wasn't emphasis never, lads, when I grew up in football, from what I grew up in anyway. And then you go to Southampton and you realise that it was probably more so the club obviously was in League One, but it's a massive club. You're expected to dominate the game every game, home and away. You expect to dominate the game. That's what you was expected. Expected that straight away dominate every single game, and that's where it was a, probably the big culture change as well for me. Yeah, obviously at Southampton you played under Nigel Adkins, Mauricio Pochettino. Like obviously he's gone to PSG. Working under him, could you tell that he will go on to have this sort of career that he's having now? Because at the time. He, it was sort of like a left field appointment. People were wondering, like, who's this guy? Where's he coming mm-hmm. from? So, like, how is he like to work under? Which is brilliant. You always knew when you come in the building that he was going to go on to, to big and better. You knew that straight away. Just tactically, you knew so many different things. I'll tell you what, though, you need two hearts for him and two sets of lungs. But you know it's all for a good cause. You know, and he's probably along the way because when he first came in, he was stern, he was stubborn, his way, this way, all that. He's probably learnt along his way as well, being at Tottenham for all those years. He had made a massive clear out, got all his players in, probably learnt of that. He's going to go to PSG now with massive players. And so how do you think gonna... he'll manage those sort of players like Neymar and Mbappe? Because obviously you hear a lot of things that PSG sort of like, you know, the players run the dressing room. Do you think he's got that in him to sort of compromise and recognise that, listen, I'm going to have to, you know, sometimes, you know, be lenient and, and, you know, compromise with the players? I think it's going to be an interesting one because this is how you've got to look at it. 
PSG is a massive club. They want success. The owners want success. The players obviously want success because they're great players. But then the players want success in the best way that's possible for the team. Now, Poch has obviously got, he's got an identity, the way he plays. It's very demanding. But then, if his way works and they get success, because he's only signed an 18-month deal, so say, that for me, that signals that they want success straight away. So that signals they want success at the end of the season. They want Champions League. Or they don't, like the, the, the league one's not enough for them. They've okay. done that how many times? Mm. They want Champions League minimum, I would say, them getting to semi-finals or something like that this season. And then they'll probably assess it again in the summer. Now, from now till then, he's got to find a way to implement the way he wants, but also how he gets that message across with those players by keeping them on side. Because this is the bottom line. You've got Neymar, 300 million pound player, Mbappe, 200 and something million pound player. You've got all the rest of the players that are World Cup winners and stuff like that. Pochettino or them as an owner. It's, it is a no-brainer. <laughs> of course. In this current climate. <laughs> you know? As you mentioned, it's easier to sack the manager than to... Obviously, that's, you know, top dollar in assets, you know, so... I want him to do successful because he's the, the, the bottom line is you have to look at him. He, I think he started at Espanol when he was young. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe 37 or something. He started as a manager or something like that. Yeah. And he's worked his way up and he's done it brilliant. The success, what he'd done at Tottenham, he transformed that football club in terms of players. Okay, he had the backing in terms of they've built the infrastructure and everything. But he's the re, what he'd done is the reason why somebody like jo- Tottenham can acquire someone like Jose Mourinho, mm-hmm. a manager of that mm-hmm. calibre. Yeah. Is what success he had. So... I think it's only right that he goes to a bigger, bigger team, and I want him to do well. And I hopefully he does go there, win the pit, the, the Champions League, improves himself at that level, and shows the world that he can manage at the top top teams. Because I think that's the problem with him. He, well, not the problem with him. He lacks to grow teams. PSG's already grown. Mm. Do you know the only next step for him to now is to go and win the Champions League, and then say, right, I can win the Champions League, but now I want to start bringing through the young blood like he likes to. He's going to have to go and earn that. But I hope he does it and I hope it goes well for him and his stuff. 100%, man. You know what, Punch? I, want, I wanted to ask you about um, the topic of injuries. Now, obviously, I know throughout your, your long career, you will have um, suffered various different injuries and, and picked up knocks and so on and so forth here and there. Um, but also throughout your career, you've, you've fortunately been able to recover from um, a, a cruciate ligament uh, injury. And what yeah. I wanted to know is, what is the, the recovery process like coming back from a cruciate ligament injury versus like another kind of like long-term injury? Like let's say, for example, like a leg break or, or, uh, and whatnot. And the reason why I ask is because there's been so many occasions where we've, we've seen certain players go out with, with that injury and come back and they've lost a yard or they're not quite the same. And, 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 you know, and, and so I just, I've always wanted to understand like what, what is the difference and, and, and what's that process like for you? It's hard mentally because you know that you're going to be out for six, seven, eight, nine, ten months. But I think the most important thing is what people don't realise is when you're injured, that's, especially knees, that's the most important part is the first two, three months of it is getting your strength back, making sure you're doing all, building up all the muscles around it. I think that's the most important thing. And if you do that properly and have in your mind, I want to come back, but I need to do this properly and very thoroughly, there's, there's no guarantee to say you're not going to lose a yard. 
can't say that to anyone. You might lose something. You know, but I think so you, you see that to... yard, is it mental or physical? You can physical. You look at somebody like I know it's different, Michael Owen always hamstring injuries, but look at Michael Owen, he definitely lost when you look at him from the World Cup coming back two years later, he definitely lost a yard in two years. And he was still only, I don't know, twenty three or something like that. Yeah, but punch to play devil's advocate, look at Danny Ings, who's in the best form of his career, banging in goals every single week. Yeah. But then you look at Danny Ings, he had two of them. And anyone will, I will say this to you, the surgeon, I think it's, after you do your cruise ship, they say it's still not another three years before you're back to normal anyway. Now, I know when I done my knee, it took me, I didn't play regularly, so it was hard to judge, but in games, I didn't feel right probably until I went to Huddersfield and that was a year later. You know, and but at the Palace, I wasn't playing, so I was training. I felt fine in training, stuff like that. Like at my knee, I'd done. So that's two and a half, three years ago now, actually. Yeah, three years ago, I'd done my knee now. And I still wake up now and have a stiff knee. Like if I sit down too long, I might get up and have a little bit of a stiff knee wow. and things like that. But when I'm running around on the pitch and stuff like that, I'm fine. I don't feel it. So, yeah. what is it like? The older you are, the more difficult it is to recover because a lot of people say once you're post 30, the recovery period is much more, you know, difficult. Yeah, generally it is. But then you look at people, if you look after your body and do the right things, you look at someone like Ibrahimovic, I think he's, is he 39, yeah. is he 40? Yeah. yeah you look at Ronaldo. Yeah. You look different at Sergio guys. Ramos. It's, different it's, guys. It has changed in the way if you look after your body, you'll be fine. Well, not fine, but you'll be better. And I think that's the most important thing people need to look at. Yeah. So, Punch, before we move on to your time at Palace, I'm going to throw a tangent here and ask you yeah. to tell us one interesting story that you've never told before. Mm. I think I know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to you to answer it how you want, Punch. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for you to say, spell it out. No. <laughs> what, what is she so anyone? Is she so anyone? Is it that one? <laughs> As a bear walk in the woods. What's that much? As a bear walk in the woods. That's it's gone over my head. Yeah, it's gone over my head. <laughs> oh, you're, you're too slow with it. That's a fish in the water. Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> yeah, that answers that then. So, yeah, Punch, um, what we wanted to do, we wanted to talk about Crystal Palace here and now. Obviously, mm. they've had a few acquisitions in the summer. You mentioned earlier, Eberichi Eze, what a player. You know, he's been on this platform and he's hit the ground running. What do you think it's going to take for Crystal Palace to move from that mid-table Prem team to a team challenging for Europe? I'm not too sure. You try and put your finger on it. You look at, we finished 10th under Pardew. And the team that finished 10th then has not got nowhere near as much ability, natural ability as these players have got now. It's just finding the right balance of getting that all together and getting them there. And I think they required so much talent there. I think it is time they finish in the top 10. And I want to see that team finishing near them your places because you, you look at the players they've got there. Wilf, you've got Eze now, you've got Andros, you've got Sloopy. 
you know, you've got so many array of players that's like pace, power, attacking players. Like, for me, imagine Crystal Palace playing in the European game with all those players. They will put like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're big players, but they're, they're, they're very good Premier League players. I'm, I'm sure everyone probably at least 13 of the teams in the Premier League, 14 of the teams in the Premier League would take Eze, would take Slippy, would take Wilf, would probably take Andros. You know, when they're on their form. So I, I, for me, I just look at those players and think, imagine them playing in Europe and the fans back and the Crystal Palace fans in the European game. That Holmes though end will be rocking, man. <laughs> you know, and they, they, I think that, I think they're doing they're doing the right things behind the scenes because they're building the new training ground. So that'll be good. Um, the infrastructure and stuff like that. So I think it'll be good, and I think they have made this with Eze. He's a good player, man. A good player. I'd love to go, well, one day when I go back and I watch training, I'll see him training, but good player. What, what excites you about him? It's just his elegance. Hmm. Like, you, you see Wolf, you watch him and you see, right, he's fast. <laughs> when you watch Eze, you don't look at him and think he's fast. He's deceptively fast. He doesn't even look like he's running fast. Yeah. You know, that, that, that goal he scored against Sheffield United is just, just different gravy. And then you see he's got that calmness on the ball. And stuff like that, and to not being funny to walk into a Premier League team of Crystal Palace's calibre and play when you're that type of player is not easy because of the type of players they have. That some other players have come and, and struggled to get in the team because you've got a Wilf, you've got Andros who can run up people, you've got a Slippy who's got pace and power. So you've got three people already that pace, power, and can dribble the ball. Now, what can I do different to those three? Well, Wilf's definitely top of that tree. What can I do different to Slippy? What can I do different to Andros? And Ezzy's just come in and just fitted straight in. And it's brilliant for Palace because you've got to look at it now. As I think, is it, what's Ezzy, 23? Yeah. Yeah, 22, 23, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's young. Wolf's 28. So imagine like, it's almost like that shade. You keep Ezzy, you keep hold of Wolf, they get into Europe. Wolf, if they go Europe, I'd love Wolf to stay there for the rest of his career because I think what would they achieve anywhere else if they Palace go to Europe? If they don't, then it's different. But if they go to Europe and he stays there and they achieve that and will stay there for the rest of his career, it's almost like as one big, big player's leaving, another one's still there coming. And yeah, Palace I've has searched said, that for years. Yeah, I've always said that Wilf is like the best player outside that top six. I think he's very, very talented. But do you think he's going to get his wish to actually leave the club? Because he's made it clear Obviously, he wants to go into pastures new and play in European competition. Do you think that's going to happen? I think the bottom line is, is football's about numbers, and now he's giving you those numbers. Yeah. So people can say whatever they want about him now. Is before it was like, oh, well, his numbers ain't this, his numbers ain't that. Well, they're there now. So now is now is the time to see for me to people to put their money out and look. I would never want him to leave Palace. You know from fan point of view and the legacy you could build it but from a personal point of view it's going to come a point as a footballer you're going to look at it and think I want to play European football you can't you can't begrudge the kid of that and if they get to the end of the season they're not near there they don't look like it and he keeps those numbers up then I, somebody should come and buy him if they don't then he's just got to continue playing his football Punch, I'm a massive fan of Wilfred Saha um, and I've you know, watched his career from the Championship all the way into the Premier League. But do you think sometimes maybe his theatrics after getting fouled has put potential suitors off 
you know, making that big money signing on him? I think so. I don't know. People look at, so many people look at so many different things in a player. Mm. And the only thing you can look at is if anybody's watched Wolf closely, you can see how much he's grown. But I saw, I think I spent five seasons with Wolf and each season I kept on seeing him grow, 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 grow. Consistently getting better slowly but surely, surely. And it's like this season, it's like all the pieces of the puzzle have come together. And for me, Will's just an emotional person like that when he's playing football. He's emotional, he's passionate, he wants to win. And you can say from the outside it's theatric, but that's Will. He's his character. And it's the same thing like I was saying to you before, is football's changed. It's not about being what football says you should be. Okay, we know there's within reason, but he has a character, he's a person, and ultimately he's an athlete on a football pitch doing his job. And that's what he's doing and he's producing the good. So for me, he's, he's, he's playing as a striker, he's scoring the goals and he's assisting and that's what counts in the football. So, so yeah, Pints, I wanted to ask you about Roy Hodgson. Um, a lot of people outside the game say for Palace to progress to that next level, knocking on the door of Europe, they're probably going to need a change in style or even a change of manager. Do you think Roy Hodgson's got it within his makeup to like give these attacking players like let them off the leash and do what they want to do in games? Yeah, I think it's a weird one because people always look at Roy as I wouldn't say he's very defensive, and I'm not going to say he's ultra attacking. He's in between. He wants you to keep the ball and stuff like that. But you have to look at what he achieved in his career. He took Fulham to the Europa League final. Mm-hmm. So okay, it was back then. So he knows how to do with talent. He's been the England manager. He's managed Inter Milan. So, not in a, in a bad way, Roy is not an idiot. So, he's got the experience. It's just about him piecing the puzzle together to achieve that. And I think he probably knows that deep down. He's probably got a very good squad, talented squad. When you look at the other Premier League teams, like, don't take this in the wrong way. Put Southampton's team on paper and put Crystal Palace's team on paper and look where both of them are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. You know? Yeah, no. Man, I'm... like if, if if you go man for man, back to front. What you think? That, that... I think Southampton are better than Palace, man for man. No, I'm not saying this is my point. I'm saying I'm not saying Southampton are better than Palace for man for man. Mm. I'm saying when you look at the array of talent that both football clubs have got, um, the positions they're in. I would, if I'm, I want to see Crystal Palace. I'm not saying I want to see them at the top, but I want to see them doing a Southampton mode where they, mm. they're nearly at that European stage. It's like Southampton, okay, they're up there now. This remains to be seen if they're going to be at the end of the season. But that's what Palace should be doing. Yes, 100%. Mm. Mm. Agreed. You know, with, and with I think they have their moments got. as well. Sometimes you see Palace fourth or fifth, then they go and run the four games without a win. Then it's like Jekyll and Hyde almost. So they need to just find that consistency. Mm. Yeah, definitely. When you, like... I'll tell you now, any, all the big teams that used to come to Pal- Crystal Palace, they used to hate it. Coming to Sellers Park, hate it. Nasty. It's a nasty. <laughs> hate it. Hate it. All of them. They used to hate it. <laughs> yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. I imagine that's still still the case to some degree as well now. In, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope it's game. still like that. Yeah. And that mm. that shows, you know. And it's difficult to judge the football now because I think it's. I would have loved to have seen Eze this season with them Palace fans at the game. Because they'd be singing they would have loved him. They'd be chanting. Do you, do you know what I mean? And just, yeah. just little things. Is, there's so many little things. Because you look at it now, it's like, 
I think that the the world of football is struggling. Look at the Premier League now, where the points ratio from where first is to I think it's sixteenth yeah. or something. It's crazy. Crazy. It's, and people are saying it. I wouldn't say it's the worst array of talent. It's just the conditions that everybody's playing in. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. 100%. You know what, Punch? We've obviously spoken at length about um, your career and, 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 and life on the field. Um, but we've also got to make sure we, uh, we, we chat about, you know, your, your life outside of the game and, and off the field. I know you've got loads of different interests uh, away from the game. I, I wanted to ask you, how, how did you get into golf? Um, and do you, do you get much time to play out in, in Cyprus? To be honest, I got into golf before six months before I come to Cyprus, and then more so here. I wish I'd have played it when I was younger. It's just find it very therapeutic, just nice and relaxed and chilled. And to be honest, I do wish I played it when I was younger. Mm. I do. Yeah, like a lot of people always talk about golf, you know, and I've always wondered why do people like it. So, what's the features about golf that makes it such a great sport? It's just nice, relaxing. Look, here I'm playing the sun, so it's it's completely different. Mm. Playing the sun, relax, nice and mm. chilled. And do you know what I say? It's good for it's it's good for social. You meet a lot of people. It's good for business. Mm. And there's there's many there's many pros to it for me. Have you thought of anything you want to do after you retire in terms of maybe business, going into being a pundit? Well, at the present moment of time, I'm doing I'm doing my coaching badges now. So just before. I was online with you. I was doing some stuff on my coaching, which is my UA4A license. Come on. So I'm hoping to pass that by the end of the season and then see where it takes me from there. I've got, I definitely still want to play another season next year. I feel fit, feel fine. And then I'll probably assess it from after that mm. where I'm going. I'm not one of these people that, that gets hung up on, oh, you need to make sure you're ready to do this or you're ready to do that. Like, I'm, that's just not me as a person. I sort of take my time with things in and if I put my mind to something, I'm going to do this, so I'm going to do that. So your contract's up with Paphos in May. So what, are you potentially looking to extend or maybe try another venture for another season? Well, that's talks that are going on in the background, but at my age, I'm not really worried about that. I'm letting my feet do the talking. Everybody in Cyprus can see that and I'll just assess it as and when I'm ready to, you know, because I don't need to rush into anything. Like, I'm not a 23-year-old kid. I'm 34, 35 in the summer. So I don't need to rush into anything. I let my feet do the talking. And as it gets close to the end of the season or the end of the season, then I'll decide as to what I want to do. You know, it's, it's, it's all entirely down to me, really, a lot of it. Punch, final question from me, and I'm bringing it back to the Premier League. I know you're a big fan of the Premier League and you're always watching, you know, football matches. So at the current moment, who would you say is the best player in the Premier League, in your opinion, if you had to give one name? For me, Harry Kane. Okay. At the present moment in time. Okay. Because I feel, I'll give my reason for that. I feel he's, he's had to take on a new role this season. He's basically been asked to play a different position to what he's used to. And he's took that on, given as many goals and given as many assists. Yeah. It's a joke. It's just, <laughs> it's a joke. It just shows <laughs> you the joke. character. 
the, the character and the mentality of him, there's, there's something very good ingrained in him. I remember Poch actually told me before, he said he's one of those players, he comes in, start of the season, right, I scored 29 last year, I want to score 30. I want to score as many goals as I did last year. He's always setting these self-targets and you just got to, you got to respect him for that. Yeah, no doubting that he's the best striker in the Premier League at the current moment. Obviously, you're a midfielder. I wanted to ask you your top five midfielders in the Premier League. So this can be a number six, a number eight, number ten. Who's the top now five or right now? Oh. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? mm. I'm gonna go Hoiberg. Just because. Okay. When I watch him, I love the way he passes the ball. He's always trying to break a line. And if you watch him, he never bubbles a ball into someone. It's, it's a side foot pass. There's no spin on it. It's just firm. It's just firm straight into people's feet all the time. <laughs> Obviously, Bruno Fernandes. That goes without saying. He's been fantastic since he's come to Man United and to go to a club like that. And he's just basically set, just set the stadium alight since he's been there. Um... Difficult because I don't feel that they've what's the name, but it's hard not to put the Bruyne in there. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah. That was the name the I, was, I was waiting to hear. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 and I'm going to be a bit more biased as well because if he was to go on current form, I wouldn't pick many Liverpool players. Do you understand what I mean? But I'm going to be a bit biased because I feel that this guy, since he's come to the Premier League again, has been asked to do different things, but it's been fantastic since he's come here. And that's Fabinho for me. Mm-hmm. Since he's come here, he's been fantastic. He's played centre-half, yeah. playing centre-midfield. He's been doing so many different things, but he's been fantastic. And my last pick. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> what about so I've got Paul two Paul? attacking. I've got no, two attacking two... I've got two attacking, yeah. two defensive. No, yeah. if I'm honest with you, I think Paul's a, a great talent. Yeah. Um, I just don't feel we've seen the Paul probably saw at Juventus or we see in France. Mm. We've never seen that consistently. That's, that's, that's the only thing with me. What about with James Ward-Prowse? Where do you rank him? I think Prowse is brilliant. Great free kick taker. Worked hard at his game. Got a lot of energy. Um, and that's, a, for me, a prime example of someone working really hard mm. with a lesser ability than maybe people around him or players he's playing against, but then really mm. maximising ability. Um, so my final pick, it's a tough one, yeah. Because I've got two defensive, I've got two attacking. Two attacking. Mm. There's a lot of mm. omissions from this team, you know. You've got Thiago, obviously Pogba. Oh, t- t- I would put Thiago in all, the, all day, but he's played yeah. three Premier League games. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. Jordan mm. Henderson. Yeah. It's difficult. Kante at Chelsea, Declan Rice. Yeah, but I instead, again, Kante's not been the Kante he was before. Mm. You know, I think Declan, <laughs> Rice, Declan Rice is a good shout. I like him, to be fair. The only reason I'm not going to pick him because I'm not a defensive player. Okay. I'm, I've yeah. got too defensive. I'm going to. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put. I'm going to pick Bernardo Silva. Okay. When a great performance. Yeah. When he plays in that number eight position, it's like a newborn David Silva <laughs> for me. Yeah, I can hear that. He, though. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't see the the 
the the splitting passes silver sees, but when you see him with the ball, he's elegant. And he's like five foot four. He's short. I'm short, and he's shorter than me. And I see this guy, and he's, I think he's about the same height as Raz, as Sterling. Yeah. But he can scrap. Yeah, he he, can, he puts himself about, you know. Yeah, You can't get the ball off him, and I'm just looking there, thinking, wow, just different, different level. I think the AJ, the AJ and Fury thing is that's fantastic for the British people. I just think, like for me, I know obviously Fury's getting a little bit older, and other people are gonna be waiting around. But if I was both of them, I'd be sitting there saying, you know what? Let's wait till the fans are back. Let's have our fights in between. We know we're going to have it. Try not to take too many risks so we don't lose the belts. But I think even if they didn't have the belts, I think that fight is so massive. It's like, obviously, the belt system is a big thing and you'd love to see it. But I think for them, if me, you want to see fans there for that. Yeah, and if that means it's got... About a two-fight deal. Maybe one in Saudi Arabia, then one over here. Mm. I think you... you got, I don't think Saudi's the same. Okay, I know they're going to get more money. I mice. think an all-British fight like that, that needs to be at Wembley or somewhere. Wembley, Old Trafford or something like that. Yeah. That needs to be where the British people, they can go, they can see it. That will be massive. Yeah, 100%. 100%. No, it's been a pleasure, Punch. Yeah. No, I love for taking out the time, bro. Like We're happy that we finally got this sorted and it didn't disappoint. You know, you're very open and we appreciate that, bro. No, no worries, man. Appreciate it, man. Pleasure, man. It's nice to get on with you guys and keep doing the positive work that you're doing, man. No, I love for that, Jason. Love. 100%, man. So we're going to call it a day there. Just a real quick reminder for you, all of you that are watching this on YouTube, please make sure you like, look down below, um, hit that like button, subscribe if you're not yet subscribed. Um, if you're not following us on Twitter yet, it's at podcast underscore TBG and on Instagram at pod underscore TBG. And you can listen to all of our audio interviews on Spotify as well. Just hit us up. And like we said, we've got big things coming. We did promise. And we're, gonna, we're, we're, we're men of our words, so we're going to keep it and keep it coming. Make sure you keep your eyes peeled. And until the next episode, over and out. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.